everyone, and uh, good morning for all of you who are joining us online as well. I want to open up this morning just by reading uh, the scripture over us that we'll be in this morning. The text is going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, it's going to start in verse 25, and um, this is just kind of a continuation of where we were last week. J- Jesus um, is preaching uh, the greatest sermon that has ever been preached in all of history, and the greatest sermon that will be ever preached in all of history, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, uh, it's captured in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, um, and the audience is around four to 5,000 people. Jesus is uh, kind of standing in a boat, uh, just pushed off the shore a little bit, and there's a big hill, a big knoll where these people are meeting, and uh, it was kind of, it was given a, a natural acoustics um, to the uh, to the place where they were meeting so that whenever he was speaking that the, his voice would carry on the water. I don't know if you've been on the water, how that you can know how that sound just kind of carries across the water very easily. And with them meeting up on this big knoll, it just kind of rolled up that knoll. And so it, it kind of worked as a natural amphitheater where Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount to four to 5,000 people. Last week we saw where um, he was teaching us how to pray, specifically in this time. Um, how we as believers in the 21st century, the church should be praying as well. And uh, we're going to jump into some more instructions. We're not going to work our way through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, but we have done that as a church before. And so if you go back and look online, you'll you'll be able to find where we walked verse verse by verse through uh, through these three chapters. Um, But we will pick up in verse 25, and it's really kind of in the same vein as uh, last week uh, where Jesus was teaching. And he's telling them this, he says, therefore I tell you, uh, and when he says therefore, he's, he's recalling what he's just spoken about people laying up treasures here on earth and how that's just really not good for us to try to do that, but to store up treasure in heaven. Um, and so he says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour of his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so last week we were looking at uh, these instructions that Jesus had given us uh, for how we should pray. What's, the, what's our structure of prayer and then what's the kind of the heart behind that? What are we asking God for? Uh, and what was glaringly obvious last week, I don't know if it was to you, but it sure was to me, uh, is just how fitting that we land in these passages in these days that we're in. Just how relevant they are to us. Um, especially knowing that we sat down 
fourth quarter of 2019 and charted all this stuff out. Not, ha not having a clue that this is where we would be and this is the these are the circumstances that we'd find ourselves in. Uh, but God knew exactly what was going on, and he knew exactly the words that we needed to hear and the encouragement and instruction that we needed to hear from Scripture um, and, and at the right time. And so we find ourselves here. And so that's kind of what it was last week. And then this week, we're going to find Jesus just doubling down on what he's already saying to us. He's going to do that for us today out of that same vein. He's going to draw out some of these um, some of these deeper realities that I'm sure that we're all experiencing to some degree or another right now. It goes without saying. It's assumed that uh, this whole season for many of us has brought a lot. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of questions, right? Like how long is this thing going to last? Um, what, what's the future look like? What's going to happen if, if I or someone that I know gets sick? What's that going to look like? Uh, w will I be the one in that group of people that develops serious complications if I get sick. Like these are things that I think about and I know that a lot of people that I know think about, will my parents be okay? Like if, if they get sick, I know that older people kind of, uh, they're, they're more susceptible to complications and so, you know, that's kind of something that I worry about. Um, for some of you, how long am I going to be out of work? How, how long does this work life look crazy like it does right now? Um, man, I can tell you this, and I kind of brought this up last, last week, but for, for those of us who, who really kind of watch our 401ks and things like that, uh, man, the beginning of this year just really kind of bothered you, didn't it? it I know it does, that kind of stuff really doesn't bother me, and it bothered me this year. Um, just the way you see the market going, how long are my kids going to be in this house? Uh, those questions are being asked for, from some. So there's just a lot of things, a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainties and concerns and questions without answers that we're all kind of walking through. And so I feel like everyone, to some degree or another, uh, has dealt or is dealing with worry, is dealing with some kind of anxiety or uncertainty, frustration, confusion, anger, hopelessness, you name it, you fill in the blank. The list goes on. Um, and some of the wisest words spoken in Scripture we find in Proverbs. And in chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And so that's my hope for today, and I think that's what God has for us today is a, is a, is a good word that's going to make us glad. That's what I hope for today. That's what I've been praying for today because um, mainstream media doesn't have a good word that makes me glad. I don't know about you. Uh, and me personally, I don't think that I have a good word that's going to make you glad. Uh, I, I, I really don't. But Jesus does. And so I want to encourage us with, with a word from him, a good word from Jesus that's going to make us glad. So what should we do when we feel anxious? When we feel anxiety weighing on us, especially right now, um, what should we do? And Jesus kind of, um, later in this gospel, Matthew would uh, would. would uh, would bring up to us what's something that Jesus said in, in verse 28 of chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I don't know one person who doesn't receive that, that passage as some encouragement. Um, it, it always seems to be applicable to me, always seems to be relevant to me. When I read those words that Jesus says, it's always as if in that moment, I'm, I'm burdened, and I'm, I'm, I'm heavy laden, and I'm just kind of stressed to the max. And so that, that verse, that passage always encourages me because it sounds good, doesn't it? Like Jesus says, just come. Like everything that you're packing, all the baggage that you have, all the worries, the stress, the anxiety, all those things, just bring them to me. I want to carry them for you. I want you to be free. I want to liberate you from those things. 
And so that man just really kind of encourages me. And Peter, who knew Jesus all too well, would also say, cast all your anxieties on him, Jesus, because he cares for you. That's another passage that's just always relevant to me. Cast your worries and troubled hearts onto Jesus in prayer because he cares for us. He cares for you. He cares for me. And so now with that as the backdrop, you're thinking about you know, the wisdom that we get from, uh, from the Proverbs and, and the, the, the clarity that we get from Jesus about how he intends to carry our burdens and carry our weight and the encouragement that Peter gives us to, to do that, to cast all our anxieties on Jesus. Let's, let's take you to the place where Jesus most clearly instructs us on how to handle worry, how to handle anxiety and uncertainty. Um, he's, again, just kind of, you know, the context, he's speaking to a whole lot of people. And in that context, in that place where there's four to 5,000 people gathered, there is rampant joblessness, unemployment, oppression from the Roman government, sickness and disease, like these things are, these, this is what this crowd of people are dealing with whenever Jesus is speaking these words. And so I don't want you to consider Jesus as heartless or not uh, acquainted with whatever you're going through right now. Because this is what he was speaking directly to these same people in these, condi- in these conditions, in this setting, in this context. And this is what he tells them. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And it almost feels cold. It almost feels like, Jesus, you just don't get it. Like you're sitting high on your horse and you, you, know, you don't understand what's going on down here. How do you have any right whatsoever to tell me that don't worry about what's going on in my life? You don't know me that way, apparently, if you're just going to be cold-hearted that way. But three times in this passage that we're going to see, Jesus is going to command us, don't worry, don't be anxious. Don't stress. And you need to hear this as a command from God. And the reason I say that you need to hear it as a command from God is because whenever God gives a command, he gives us the power to obey that command. And so that's that's important for us to get. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that's only relevant to some people who can really kind of, you know, just check out on life. But he's speaking this as a command over his people saying, not only am I issuing this command, but you have the power through the Holy Spirit to actually obey and to walk in this that I'm commanding you. Because with every command that God gives us, he gives us the power to walk in it. To walk in obedience, even anxiety. And, and he, what is anxiety? Because Jesus, he's specifically using that term. And I mean, we want to relate to it as worry uh, and some concern and uncertainty. Uh, but anxiety, for those of us who struggle with it, uh, you know that it runs a little bit deeper than that. It's not just something that I'm not worried about and it's kind of, you know, creating some sleepless nights. Just kind of doing some, uh, some research, the American Psychological Association defines anxiety as an emotion that is characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. So anxiety can actually have an effect on your physical health, your physical well-being. Enough anxiety can actually produce anxiety disorders. So not only physical, but now mental, these these disorders that are characterized by a state of, of excessive uneasiness, apprehension, oftentimes uh, with compulsive behavior or uh, in some cases, in your extreme cases, they'll even lead to panic attacks. 
Um, and some of you I know have either experienced that or, uh, or have been close to that. And so you know how that feels where you just feel like your breath's being taken away from you and you can't sleep and you can't eat and you can't, it just, it affects you that much. And so we're talking about more than just a mere concern for the future. The reason why I want to bring that up and the reason Jesus uses that terminology. A, a certain level of concern and, and, and thinking and dwelling on what's, what's going to happen in the future, that's, that's kind of healthy. That's okay. It's kind of normal. Paul would even talk about it. The Apostle Paul talks about it at one point in 2 Corinthians about feeling anxious regarding the churches that he planted. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, And apart from other things, there is this daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. That's not a bad thing that he's worried about the, the health and the well-being of the churches that he's planted uh, all throughout Asia. And so it's, it's natural that we've become concerned about some of these questions that we have. What about my kids? Will they, will they stay healthy? What about my neighbor? How, how, can I, how can I protect them from getting the virus? Or I hope they don't get the virus. We should, we should be concerned about all the things that are happening around us. I'm not saying that we just don't, don't worry about anything and just kind of go through life clueless. But there's a such thing as sinful anxiety, and that's what Jesus is addressing here. That there's, a, there's an actual point at which we can become sinful in our worry and in our anxiety. And, and, and this is when your worry becomes so heavy that it will displace your trust in your God. That it actually takes all control back from God and says, I've got to control this situation. God, I don't trust you with it. And I can tell you, you can ask my family, I dealt with that uh, this year already once, where it's just like this point of, um, I can trust God with so many things, but he touched on a few things this year that I don't feel like I knew was there, that I didn't trust him with, that he had to, he had to deal with me on. And so uh, uh, that, that was a sinful place for me to be. For me personally, I, I felt like that, that was a dark place. It was a hopeless place because I had at that point, uh, my, my hope in God and my trust in him had been displaced. Um, and so I know that there can be a lot more going on, right, whenever you experience anxiety besides just like a concern for the future or worry about what's going on uh, in the days to come. Um, for some of us, there's been past traumatic experiences, things that have happened to you that have caused these anxious uh, uh, actions and, and this excessive um, worry and so uh, I get that, and I'm not going to try to reduce that at all. Um, that I'm not just going to really reduce them to just like spiritual problems. I understand that there's a lot more going on than that, and I want to be sensitive to that. And having said that, here's the structure for Jesus' counsel in chapter 6 of Matthew. He says, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So Jesus says, your life is about more than anything this world can supply for you. Like your life is, is above that, of all these tangible things that the world might give you. Your life is more than food, he says. Your life is more than clothing. These things, these basic things that we feel like we have to worry about every day, even when you don't know you're worrying about it, you're worrying about it. He's trying to address those issues, saying... We got that. Like, that, that's covered. You, and you could just add to that list of, of things, your car, your house, your phone. Like, Jesus is saying, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about who you'll marry. Don't worry about how long you're going to live. These are all things that are really kind of out of your control. 
Because your life is about more than these things. That's not what your life is supposed to be about. Your life is not supposed to be wrapped up in all these things. That's not what it's about. It's more than that. So what are you worried about today? What's the thing that has you worried and concerned, stressed to the max, causing sleeplessness? Like, what are the things that you worry about? I think a lot of times it's what others think of me. That's one that I worry about, that I stress about, that, I, that actually drives my actions and activities in life to make sure that, uh, that, that I present an image to someone and, and, and kind of f- frame up the way they should be thinking about me. Some of you, it's whether I will marry, whether I will have kids, I don't know. You know, that's something that I worry about. Will I get this stupid virus or not? I don't know. Like, and if I do get it, how bad is it going to affect me or the people around me? What's my bank account going to look like after all this is said and done? What is life about? Like, what is our life about? And that's, a, that's such a, a, a broad statement, and you can probably make a turn at every aisle in Books a Million and find a book about somebody trying to write about what life is about. But we, as the people of God, we, we know the answer to this, right? That our life is about knowing God and making Him known. Knowing Him and, and, and giving our lives to Him, being pleased, uh, about being pleased with God and knowing Him. And so when you strip everything else away, when you take all these other things away, all these things that have your attention, all these things that cause you to get up in the morning and move and the things that keep you up at night, when you think about all those, moving all of those things, all that matters is knowing God and making him known. That's, that's the apex of life for us. That's what it is. And if your life is not about that, it's going to be about all kinds of frivolous things that will cause all of these anxieties and worries and stresses, things that you try to kind of control and manipulate to have an outcome that you desire. Um, and and it, it leads to, to no life at all. And eternity, uh, we the people of God also uh, place a high value on is eternity, um, it, that's going to reveal just how vast uh, of the majority of things that we spend our time being anxious about, right? When, in, in the spectrum of eternity, we're going to get to see all the things that we gave our lives to that had zero eternal significance. We'll get to see that. And in fact, for some of us, maybe that's, maybe that's been the big takeaway from this season that we're in. That, that these uncertain days, that shows us that the core of our lives and the core of our identity, the things we've built ourselves around, they really don't last, right? Like the food situation, the clothing situation. How's my team doing this year, right? So some of you sports fanatics, man, you are frustrated because you, it is not at all looking, it's going to shape up to be the season that you were hoping is going to be for your team or your player or what's going on. Whatever it is that's, that, that, that kind of captures your imagination and your attention, these days have kind of exposed some things about what we make the main thing in our lives. And so maybe it's time to ask whether, whether or not you are really living for the things that matter. And that's the part of this season that we're in, although it's in an upheaval, there's some good that's coming out of this season, and that's one of them. Is we're all kind of confronted with that question about, wait a minute, am I really living for the things that matter? Is my life really about the things that matter in this world? Because a lot of things have been taken away from us, and now we're left with these questions. And so Jesus would go on to say that you, 
you can trust the God who values you eternally. He says in verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And you need to hear that word today. You need to hear Jesus saying that today. You are valuable to your Father. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. And so here's Jesus' logic. The wild grass in a field is super temporary. Like it's here today, it's gone tomorrow, literally. And yet God takes care that even this grass in this field that's here today and gone tomorrow has beautiful flowers that spring up out of it and make it look beautiful. Like he's even given attention to that. That's his logic. And you, by contrast, are not temporary. You, in fact, are eternal. You last forever. And so if God takes care of temporary grass like that that's here today and it's gone tomorrow, won't he take care? even better care of you who's here for eternity. And the point is, is that God is, is a God of abundance, of, of much. Even in a time of scarcity, God is a God of abundance. He's the same gracious, fully attentive heavenly Father that he always has been, that he always was. And so you think about the value that your heavenly father placed on you. You think about that. When, when you and I were rebels, when we were enemies, Romans chapter 5 would say that even while we were sinners, sinners like God loved us in that moment in a point where he, he sent Christ to come and die for us. While we were rebels, while we were enemies against him. And so in a posture of rejection, in a posture of rejection to God, it was at that point that he came and died for us, that he came and gave his life for us. And so if he rescued you, listen to this, if he rescued you when you were his enemy, how much more so will he take care of you now that you belong to him, that you are a child of his? And Jesus would say, you know what, at the end of the day, worry, is, it's useless, it's it's. That's just the fact of the matter, that you're worrying and all the things that have you anxious, it's, it's useless. He says in, in verse 27, he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And what's remarkable is that every one of us know that to be true. Right? Like all of us know that we can't do anything to add or take away the minutes that we have in our life. But we worry like, like we're in control of it. We worry like we're going to extend it out this far or that we're going to shorten it up this much or whatever. So can you change anything by worrying? That's kind of what Jesus is asking. Does your worry change anything? And of course the answer is no. No. It, it, no. Like your worrying is not going to affect one bit whether or not that thing you're worrying about happens or not. It's not. It's not going to change anything. It doesn't help you to get better prepped for anything. You have no idea what's coming your way tomorrow. 
And it seemed like this is the same thing we were talking about last week when we were talking about how to pray and Jesus instructing us how to pray. It was really just kind of, God, would you calibrate my heart? Would you align my thoughts and my actions to, to whatever it is? I'm going to walk in trust and obedience and faith to you. Because really, especially in these times, I have no idea what's coming at me tomorrow. But just, God, would you walk with me? Would you, would you mold me into who you are so that whatever comes, I know that you're walking with me? Regardless if I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death tomorrow or today or whatever, one of the promises is that you are with me, that, you, that I'm not alone in that place. And so you're worried about a thousand things, 999 of which will never happen. Right, like how many times have we worried about things because we thought it was going to play out this way and we didn't want it to and we were just stressed about how it was going to look and it just never played out that way. Most of the time, that's the case. We spend emotional capital on a bunch of things that just never going to happen. It's like, it's like paying an interest on a debt that you probably don't even owe, right? You, you probably don't even owe the debt. And so instead of living your life in this constant state of worry about what if, what if this? What if this? Maybe let's consider for a minute what Jesus is telling us, that we need to start building our life on the promises of the fact that God is, period. God is. Regardless of what if, God is. Take your what ifs and replace them with even ifs. God, like even if this happens, you are. You, you are with me. You are here in this. And he, Jesus would go on to say that Worry, and this was, this was interesting, just studying this text, like, worry is only logical in the mind of an atheist. It, it, it really is. Like, look at verse 31. This is what he says. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So he kind of lays it out there for us, saying, hey, look, you belong to God. Guess what? God knows what you need. He knows what you need long before you ever even know what you need. And so when you start worrying and you start, like, things start producing anxiety in you and you start having panic attacks about thing, things, that's really illogical. It really makes no sense in light of you being a, a follower of Jesus. Anxiety about the future, it just doesn't make sense to those who trust in a sovereign God, a providential, faithful follower. It doesn't make sense, does it? But we do it, and we're, just, we're really just kind of imprisoned to the reality. And Jesus is saying that if you don't know God that way, then it, it is logical for you to worry. You should worry. You have plenty to worry about. How could you not worry if you weren't a, a, a child of God? You have plenty to worry about. But if you belong to God, guess what? He knows what you need. He, he, has, he has you in mind. Your heavenly Father loves you. And he's going to provide all that you need. He's all-loving. He's all-powerful. He's, he's ever-watchful. He's ever-present. And he demonstrated this level of commitment to us when he gave himself on the cross. He said, that's, that's the kind of commitment I'm giving to your well-being. So you don't have to worry. So it's illogical for us to, to worry if we have this kind of father as our God, as our king, it doesn't make good sense for us to be people who, who worry. And anxiety of this kind, what we're talking about, it, it's a sign of unbelief in God. Again, it goes back to that, I'm replacing my trust in God. My, my, my trust in God is being displaced. 
And what you really believe about God is shown in the time of anxiety. And how many of you can, can testify to that? I know I can. That like just, you know, I just kind of shared with you, like, this year, it, my faith in my father was put to the test because there were some things that I was consumed with, worried with, that I didn't feel like he had control over. And so it really just kind of put my foundation to the test. And I'm going to tell you what, I needed that in my life. As much as I hated walking through that, I needed God to do that for me. I needed him to, to shore up the foundation that I knew to be true, that I was forgetting the promises that he made to me, that he was after my well-being, that through his son, Jesus Christ, that he has crossed heaven and earth to make sure that we as a people of God uh, are with him and that we, our needs are going to be met and we'll be taken care of for eternity. And so what would change for you? What would change in your heart if Jesus appeared to you in this moment, wherever you're at, what kind of worry you have, anxiety, whatever thing's uncertain to you right now, the thing that's got you bothered right now, what if he came to you in this moment, looked you in your eyes and said, I got this. I got this. I love you and I see everything. I could even tell you right now how many hairs are on your head, how many grains of sand are on planet earth. If, if Jesus would look you eye to eye and say, I've got this, and I never stop thinking about you, and I'm going to take care of you eternally, and I'm even going to use this moment for good. Could you believe that? Could you believe that Jesus would, would say that? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a comfort to you right now, that Jesus would say this? Because that's exactly what he's saying to us. In this passage, in this moment, that's what he's telling us, is that I've got this. I love you. I see you in this moment. I know everything there is to know about you. I know how your life began, and I know how your life's going to end, and I know every intricate detail in between, and I'm with you in it. Shouldn't that give us comfort? Shouldn't that just reduce the worry and the anxiety just a little bit? And Jesus says if you focus on pleasing God, if you focus on chasing after God, he's going to worry about the rest. That's what he said in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You, believer, you focus on doing what God wants. That's what Jesus is, is encouraging us today. And, and if you do, he attaches this crazy promise, this unbelievable promise to it that says, I'll take charge of supplying all that you need if you just seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Everything that you worry about, all the needs that you feel like you got to work to try to meet, I'm going to meet them. I'm going to meet you in that place and I'm going to provide those needs for you. And what's good, what, some really, really good news, I don't know if you picked up on it yet, just being a Christian in general, is that God is not susceptible to coronavirus. So he, he's not going away, and these promises aren't going to go away. His stores, they never close. His shelves, they never go empty. Like, he's got all the toilet paper that you would ever need, all of it. He, they're always full. His, his prices are never gouged. He, he has enough hope for you. He has enough strength for you. He, he has enough love and purpose to spare for you, and he's not going away, and it's not going away. And some of my greatest moments of, of personal spiritual growth have been in moments of anxiety, of moments of uncertainty. And, man, there have been just times where life's been really hard, you know. And, 
in that moment, it really hurts and it's really inconvenient. And then, you know, before you know it, I'm looking back a year or two later and I'm like, that was probably some of the most fruitful time in my life spiritually as a person, even though it hurt in that moment, even though it felt like I was missing something in that moment. God was refining some things in those moments and in that season. So this is not a season to run away from. It's a season to look for where God is working both personally and outside of our immediate context. So it was like when my foundations were being shaken, it would really force me and it should force us to really ask the question, what really matters? Like what matters? When I start losing the things that I felt like gave me security and comfort, that really prompts the question, what does really matter? Those things that I've lost obviously don't matter because they're gone and I'm still here. I'm still alive and I'm still surviving. And so what does life really mean? What does it matter? And, and is that how it is for you, like, right now? For you personally, is that, is that how it is? Let me, let me ask you this. If you died today, and I know that's kind of a morbid thought to think about, but if, but if you did, would you hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant? Would that be the words that you would hear from your father if today was the last day for you and you had to stand in front of him? Jesus concludes the verse, and he says in verse 34, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus is saying new trouble is met with new mercy, new grace, new provision. And I love that verse. I, I, I love that verse and, and the reason I love that verse is because it does two things. It, it provides comfort, and then it gives a little bit of conflict, too, because I want to tell Jesus, yeah, Jesus, the fact that tomorrow has trouble is what has me concerned and worried today. <laughs> I'm worried about the concern and the trouble that you're talking about is coming tomorrow, and so that's what's got me worked up. What Jesus is trying to say is, yes, trouble will be there tomorrow, it's a fact. It's, it's going to be there. Just like trouble's here today, trouble will be there tomorrow. You don't have to worry if trouble's going to be around tomorrow. It will be. But what Jesus is trying to communicate is God's going to be there too. Just like God's here with you today in this moment and in this trouble, you don't have to worry about tomorrow because he's going to be in that moment with you as well. It's not necessarily what kind of trouble is going to happen tomorrow. It's going to who's going to be there in that trouble with you tomorrow. And Jesus is saying, God's going to be there with you. And, and the God who gave you strength for yesterday and the God who's giving you strength for today will supply for your strength tomorrow. He's going to do that the same way. And so he promises to give enough manna for the day. And so that was the whole lesson way back in the, in the Exodus when we see God leading his people out in the wilderness with nothing but their clothes on their back. And he said, I'm going to provide you with food daily. And then he gives them this crazy instruction like, don't save up food for tomorrow. I don't want you to do that. I'm going to give you food tomorrow too. Just I'll meet you there tomorrow in your hunger. And as a matter of fact, whenever they did try to hoard up food for tomorrow, it caused some trouble for the people of Israel. God was trying to teach us something in that moment that I will give you Today, what you need today, you remember that lesson we learned last week, that, Father, give me my daily bread for today, just what I need for today. I don't want you to give me what I need for tomorrow, I just need you to give me 
today what I need today. And so he was teaching us, and he's continuing to teach us this, that now you don't have to worry about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about whether you're going to have food tomorrow. You don't have to worry about whether you're going to have clothes tomorrow. You don't have to worry about whether you're going to have savings and, and, and that you're gonna, your job's going to be there. That, there's enough worry for tomorrow, and God's going to deal with us in those worries tomorrow. Let's not get ahead of him there. Let's, let's walk with him in these moments, and let's let him teach us in these moments um, of, of worry and uncertainty and concern. And so whatever challenges that tomorrow is going to hold, whatever challenges we're going to be faced with tomorrow, we can be confident that God's going to give us what we need in that moment. We, we can have confidence in that, that he's promised us that he's going to give us what we need in those moments tomorrow. And so, brothers and sisters, my Christian friends, like we don't, we don't have to be anxious about this season. We don't have to feel anxiety about this season that we're in. It's full of uncertainties. It, it is. It really is. It's, it's, it's just you really don't know day to day what's it, what it's going to look like. But as as believers, we don't have to worry about that. That's what God's promising us, that we'll, we'll deal with that when we get there. When we get there tomorrow, we'll deal with that. But today, we trust him, and we turn our anxieties into prayer, that our Heavenly Father, who said he knows what we need before we even ask, that he's always watching and that he's always ready to supply. He's always willing to, 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 to supply for us. This is the good word that Proverbs gives us. That should, that should create joy in us, that would, should make us happy, should make us glad is what it says. A good word is what's going to relieve us of our anxiety, and Jesus gives us that good word today. And so I don't know about you if your foundations have been shaken up a little bit in this season. Um, if not, I, I would question whether you're even awake or not, because I think for most people it's just... Yeah, man, that's, this is one thing that we can all agree on is that we're all just kind of uncertain about what's going to happen and really not sure how this is going to play out in the next weeks and months to come. And maybe this is Jesus' reminder for you to go after him. And that moment where you feel like, I'm just not sure, this is Jesus' little uh, uh, tip of the hat to say, come after me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Go after Jesus. If, if, you're, if you're here, you're watching online, and you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, man, are you, are you ready to see just how futile life is without him? I mean, because you're in that moment right now. You're, you're in that place right now uh, that you see just how incapable you are of sustaining life. That, that there are people who are world-renowned at sustaining life who feel helpless in this moment, who feel uh, vulnerable in this moment. And life usually demonstrates two problems for the one who doesn't follow Jesus. For the, for the, the one, before I, was, uh, before I was confronted with the reality of Jesus, 23 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I lived 23 years without Jesus. There were two glaring realities that I knew that I, I faced in life, and that was one of them, that I'm incapable of sustaining life. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Like, I've, I lost loved ones, people who were close to me, that it was completely out of my control. I was faced with that reality that there's something else that controls life because it's obviously not me. 
And more importantly, and for those of you who are without Jesus today, you might, you might say this is not a reality for you, but in your quiet place, in your heart and in your mind, you've been faced with this. And that's the fact that you are separated from God. That you, that you are separated from God by this problem that you can't overcome. That this situation that you can't deal with, that was my situation, man. I, I was like, I had a sin problem, and I didn't even know to, at the time to call it a sin problem. I just had this issue where I had a bunch of bad habits, and I had a bunch of, I had bad attitudes, and I had a bad perspective, and, and my life was just bad in general. And I had this idea that, um, you know, there is a God, there's something outside of, of what's right in front of me here that's kind of probably controlling things, and, and he might even be a good God, but he's just not for me, and, and because I'm, I'm this wicked human, and all, these, uh, all the things that I see God want, I can't necessarily kind of, I can't meet those requirements, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to behave well. I'm going to kind of change my way of life. I'm going to quit doing some things, and I'm going to start doing some things, and I did that, man, and let me tell you something. That is, that is exhausting. Because every turn, I found that I was just dropping the ball, that I couldn't do it, man. I was trying to be good, and I just couldn't be good. And that was the problem that I faced. I, like, I can't do this on my own. That was the problem that I had, that I can't overcome this situation. And the problem, of course, is sin. And guess what's attached to sin? The curse of death, right? That's what Romans teaches us, that the wages of sin is death. That's what's attached to sin. And what the Gospels teach us, what the good news, what Scriptures teach us, is that Jesus overcame this for you. He overcame this for me. It wasn't until I heard the Gospel for the first time that way, that it was taught that way, that some, I remember it just, I mean, as clear as day, when the guy who was preaching the Gospel to me, uh, I heard him say for the first time, he might have said it before, but I heard him for the first time, say that you can't behave well enough to get yourself right with God. Jesus has to do that for you. And so that was for the first time I realized that Jesus came and met me in my situation, in my problem of sin. Like, that's the first time I got that and understood that. And I'm like, oh, wait, so, like, I don't have to act like the rest of these Christians to try to, like, have Jesus take a look at me? Like, he's going to take me just like this? And the answer is eternally yes. That's the point. It's the reason why Jesus came. Because we couldn't, so Jesus came for us. And so you have to receive that, right? That was the step that I had to take. I had to receive in that moment. I had to lay down my yes to Jesus and say, yes, Jesus, I believe you that in my situation and in my mess that you're walking into it right now and you're going to change everything. I laid my yes down to him. That's what has to happen. For the one who is a Christian, for the believer, for the brother and sister, do you see how safe you are in the hands of God? Do you see how kept you are in the arms of your heavenly Father, he takes care of the grass. The grass that's out there right now either dying or growing, I don't know, and who really cares? But he's even paying close attention to that. How much more so do you think he's ready to take care of you, to, to meet you in your needs? He died for you when you were a rebel, when you hated him, when you were shaking your fist at him. He sent his son in love for you. So you're kept with him. And I want to read the scripture over us as we, as we close. The scripture is found in 
Isaiah 40. Um, and it's interesting that as I was kind of studying for, um, for this text, and I told Phil and Rachel this this morning because they didn't know about it, but this is like on Friday. When I was kind of looking over these concluding thoughts, that song, that the old hymn, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, came up. And I'm like, man, that would be really a really good way to bookend Jesus' promises for us today. It's just to remember how faithful God is. And so I was going to actually text Phil and say, hey, uh, I don't know if you got your know, song set, picked for Sunday or not, but it would be really good if we would just bookend our time together with this song. And before I did that, I went and looked at our order because we kind of work, you know, virtually to get our stuff planned on Sundays. And guess what song was there? Great is thy faithfulness. And I had to tell him that this morning. I'm like, y'all not going to believe this. I, you know, it's, this is like God was just, I think God just has this word for us today. And, and it's fitting and it's relevant. And so I'm going to read Isaiah 40 over us and then we're going to pray and we're going to uh, close. And so this is what it says. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is, in, is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So let's pray together. Um, Father, we come to you today. Um, Father, and I know that for every one of us in this room, there is room for confession. Uh, there is room for repentance because, Father, you have commanded us in Scripture uh, just in this passage alone, at least three times, Father, you've commanded us to not worry and to not be anxious. And Lord, I know I speak for uh, probably most of the people who's within an earshot of my voice that we, uh, we are bound up with worry. Uh, it's not just something that's, um, God, it's not something that's just kind of comes and goes, but God, our lives are wrapped up in worry and anxiety right now. But Lord, your promises to us are so clear in these, in these words that you've given us today. And not only that, Father, but I believe that you've given us these words at the exact time that we need to receive them. And so, Father, I pray that that's what, that's what happens um, today and in the days to come is that we... Uh, God, that we meditate on these words that you've given us today, that we receive these words that you've given us today, that it give us encouragement. Um, God, that it give us uh, power through the Spirit to, God, to walk in obedience to this command to not become anxious, to not worry about the things that would displace our trust in you. God, it is futile for us to worry. That we can't add a single second to our life, that you've got it charted from beginning to end, that you are sovereign and all-knowing in, in every single detail. And when we look at Jesus, we know that you have our good in mind, that you have good intentions for us. 
And so we can believe your promise. We can believe the promise that sufficient for today is its own trouble. And that you're going to be with us today in our trouble, just like you were in our, with us in our troubles yesterday. And that you walked with us through those troubles, and that you're walking with us today, and that you're going to be there tomorrow in our troubles. So we don't have to stack them up and let it create anxiety in us, distrust in you. So Lord, give us an unusual faith in you today. Give us a, a faith that is so unusual that it seems a little bit reckless to those who would, wouldn't otherwise understand that we saw some, some promises in your scriptures today that said that we don't have to worry, that you got us, that you're walking with us, that you love us, that you care for us to a point that you sent your son Christ to die for us. So let that be the, the litmus test, Father, for, for us knowing how faithful you are. To know the measure of how much you love us. And so for, for those of us, Father, who, who are confronted with the reality that our lives are bound up in, in worry and concern right now, Father, I pray that we receive the gospel again, that we receive the good news again, that you have good intentions for us, that you have our best in mind, and that we can walk in, in the knowledge and in the certainty that you are with us, even though our situation and our circumstance is very much uncertain and unsure. So we love you, Jesus. We thank you and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.